Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. Who are you? I'm Nat Tazen. Yeah, and we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. We are coming to you later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you listen to. That's totally cool as well. But as you may have noticed, Justin and Pete are not here this week, so Nat has agreed to avoid the gut punches and instead jump in here where it's nice and safe. Nat, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Nothing's gone wrong in the past two years of my life, and I feel good all the time. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Uh, what? So a couple of things we could probably talk about before we bring in our guests here. First of all, what have you been reading lately? What have you been checking out comics-wise? Because I feel like we've had you on for trivia, and we talk about you boiling catcher's mitts, and then that's pretty much it. Well, sometimes you talk about how Pete wants to punch me. Both <laughs> yeah. very good running jokes that are accessible to new listeners, I want to say. And uh, that's no, what we're I've, always I've been... trying. To... Listen, like comics itself, we're trying to whittle down the audience as much as possible. I would. Do you guys use legacy numbering for the podcast now, or have you uh, have you rebooted? This is the actually universe? this is an alpha issue of the podcast right here. Oh, okay. So this is before the number zero. Yes, alpha. Or this takes between zero, zero and one. Yes. Yeah. And then you need to read number fifty six dot cbc to really understand what happened. <laughs> right. Right. Before. Right. Uh, I I would like uh, also a mini series explaining what happens in between those issues, if possible, <laughs> uh, numbered in a completely different dynamic, if possible. Absolutely, comics. What was the question? Comics. I uh, for I've kids. been reading. Yeah, they're for kids. Uh, kids love uh, the Dewey Decimal <laughs> System and and several worse systems, right? Mm-hmm. I have been reading. I'm, I gotta say, right now, I'm all in on Marvel's X books. Uh, I'm not saying every one of them is incredible, but uh, you have to read all of them and. They got me. I'm reading no, this all is great. of them. I love this show much more already. Uh, this is good. Nat. Yeah, you're going to say X-Men and not get screamed at by Wait, one I of the try biggest something X-Men else. fans you know. Uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane broke up a long time ago and it doesn't emotionally affect me anymore? Yeah, I'm kind of like, um, I would say emotionally a different person than I was at the time. So kind of <laughs> oh. the pain is actually contextualized by my own maturity. Oh, this is great. I can explain mm. what I like about the Punisher beyond the fact that he shoots guns. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's, he's a character that is really a product of his time. And I think merits a nuanced discussion of of sort of the sociopolitical climate of the 1970s and 80s when Frank Miller was creating him. And sort of how does that character actually have a place in modern television? Or has it been bastardized? Or modern comics, you know, has the the very idea uh, is sort of a cultural artifact that may actually not have a place in modern society. And I think that there's an argument to be made for either or some sort of a nuanced middle ground. Man, you sound like fucking Pete when you say that shit. I'm going to punch you. (laughs) Uh, Just to make sure that we're not uh, only coming for Pete, I also want to thank you for showing up on time. (laughs) That's a Justin joke. I don't like Starman. (laughs) I do. Actually, I do really like Starman. I I felt bad saying that a lot. Yeah, I know. It's really good. 
Anyway, we do miss Pete and Justin. They will, well, Justin's going to be back next week. Pete is actually off in the mountains somewhere for a while, having a lovely old time. So that's pretty cool. Uh, But I did want to mention we have a drink after a rather harried week or week and a half or so. Brett Macris, our resident chef, Stray Bullet, has once again been curating drinks from the Gotham City Cookbook. Gotham City, I keep saying cookbook, Gotham City cocktail book, which is very cool. It's based in the continuity of Gotham City. We had Ardrey Darlington, the cocktailier behind it on the show a a month or two back at this point. And very, very awesome. The drink this week is called The Butler. And I'll read some of the stuff here. So it's other than acknowledging that he grew up in England, Alfred Pennyworth rarely mentions his wife, uh, life, excuse me, outside Wayne Manor. What is certain is Alfred's impeccable taste, no doubt shaped by his travels around the world outside Wade Manor. Uh, and this is basically, this is a gin and tonic, but it's Southeast Asian inspired. So it has a makrut lime leaf, four whole black peppercorns, a lemon peel, two and a half ounces of gin, four ounces of tonic water, cucumber slice for garnish. So very nice. So uh, Nat, can we see your drink? Oh, your yeah. Drink? Um, well, here's about how far I got. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, is that a glass of gin and let's lime? say yeah you know okay. i think poetically poetica license i'm gonna say yeah i'm drinking a glass of gin and a lime i didn't get so far as a knife i didn't get so far as a macrut lime leaf or learning exactly what that is so mm. uh, you know i feel like we all had a hard week whether it's our uh chef in residence who lives in a city where they completely lost power and had to relocate or me who uh, had to perform stand-up comedy twice so you know it's understandable same that thing same far. basic thing to be perfectly yeah. honest with you uh oh also he says How he's still in do? florida which sounds even more horrible to be honest yeah well uh, i hope you're keeping the windows shut <laughs> uh yeah i have to apologize as well i just picked up a lagunitas ipa for this week the drinks sound lovely and delicious and refreshing but after a hard day i was like i just i need to run and grab a beer and i, I can't process these limes and peppercorns brett even though they sound amazing but i'll try to make it tomorrow uh, maybe i'm gonna make it as soon as we get done i just want to be really sharp and focused uh because mm-hmm. i care about professionalism and our broadcast there you go. Uh, so to that end, as Brett points out, yes, it's been a weird couple of weeks, but we're getting back to normal with two great guests for you on this week's show. I'm going to welcome them into the stream now. They are the creators of the very adorable, very lovely book, Mayor Good Boy, which is out already. Uh, we have here Miranda Harmon and Dave Scheidt. Hello. Welcome. How are you welcome. Hello. Yay! Welcome to the show. So excited to have you here. Mayor Goodboy, people could probably figure this out even from the title, which is one of the things that I think is so great about it, is you hear that and you're like, I know the, I know what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is about a dog who is elected mayor and the kids who assist him. Now, this was, maybe I got this wrong from the material I was reading in the book, but this was essentially like a cold call in a certain way, right? Like you just cold submitted this, or am I totally wrong about that? Um, well... So Dave approached me with the idea for the book and Random House before that asked me to pitch to them. And so the timing worked out really well because we pitched it together. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like you storming into Random House and saying, we've got a graphic novel for you. Three words. We we would have if we had you at that point. You know? <laughs> We're extremely thirsty for that. So we would have if, if that's what needed to be done. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, where did the idea for Mayor Goodboy start? Were you looking at a dog and being like, that dog looks like Bill de Blasio? Were you looking at the New York mayoral race and saying, well, how could it be? Couldn't be worse if it was a dog. <laughs> well, it's actually, um, I think you talk a lot about just like creating. And I think we kind of romanticize the idea of like, you know, like what writing is. Like, it, like you develop these like fully formed things and it's like this like, you know, um, this miracle of an idea comes away. But I, <laughs> I was looking through some notes because I just have tons of just indecipherable like weird messages uh, and like notes on my note app. And I think from, I think it was 2015 at like whatever I was doing at like 1145 at night on like a Tuesday, I just have a note that just says dog mayor. <laughs> and that was, that was from <laughs> years and years and years ago. So that was like, you know just two words, you know, like there's no story, there's no characters, there's no hook, there's nothing. And I think like, I think with creating in general, that's kind of how it works. I'm not sure if that's with, that's probably with Miranda too. You kind of just come up with like a million weird half form things. And uh, so I don't know what was going on, but apparently I, I we, we struck gold at like 11 o'clock at night and thought of that. <laughs> um, yeah. So it kind of just came, uh, it was sort of just, I think with, a lot of the comics I like to, I, I want to do, and I like collaborate with, you know, my friends and other creators and stuff. It's like, um, you kind of just develop something together. So, Mary Goodbye was kind of just, it, it was sort of there, but Miranda really like brought it to life and fully realized it and everything. So it was kind of, um, uh, it's it's strange when you're pitching comics, you kind of have sort of kind of have an idea, but you're almost kind of asking yourself questions you normally wouldn't think creatively. So you kind of like, you're developing it as you're trying to think of like what it's about, who the characters are, you know, what the hook is, all that stuff too. So we kind of just sort of went back and forth and kind of just like, you know, came up with stuff. And, you know, thankfully we kind of, uh, I don't know, I think I think we created something really fun. Well, Miranda, over to you then, <laughs> if Dave is giving you the credit for really bringing it to life, where... Where did that crisp in for you? What At what point did you figure out, oh, okay, this is kind of what Mayor Goodboy is going to be? Well, um, I mean, I think that in the beginning, especially, we, we really worked together to kind of decide, like, what kind of book we wanted to make. Like, we, we both, like, they, you know, we both have kind of similar sensibilities, I think. And, and Dave's comics are really, really fun and really silly. Um, but also, we wanted to make it, like a good message too for kids. And so that was definitely both of us. But like when I, I like Dave kind of gave me like the names of the characters and sort of the feel like his idea for the town. And I did like design all the characters um, and Greenwood too. Like the, like when we first pitched the page or the first made the, uh, the pitch pages, like the first image is like a postcard of Greenwood and city hall and the theater and all these places that show up again and again. (laughs) Where did the decision come from to make these two supporting kid characters? It's Aaron and Andy, right? Like they, there's actually almost more focus on them, at least in the first volume than there is necessarily on Mayor Goodboy. Uh, It's yeah, it's Aaron and Abby are the two brother and sister. Um, They, um, I don't know. I think just, at the end of the day, anything we like to create, um, it's always like something I think that I would enjoy as a kid. Um, so it's kind of, I, I think there's like, I think sincerity in comics is really important because I think when you read a really good comic, you could tell the people creating it if they enjoyed it or not, or if it's just something they're kind of, you know, trying to make something just to make create a movie or just trying to be super messed up or super violent, whatever. Um, we really kind of just set out to make a book that we really 
didn't see on the shelves and something we'd really enjoy ourselves. Um, and I don't know, I think just with kids comics in general, there's, there's just this amazing readership within comics in general. And I think we kind of set out to make a comic for kids and nothing specifically just like, I think some people make the mistake of kind of like gendering comics where they're like, Oh, this is a girl's comic. This is a boy's comic. This is, you know, we kind of just wanted to make something really fun that I think kids would for one enjoy and like laugh at and it's goofy and fun, but also, you know, kind of just teach kids just, you know, important lessons and stuff like that. But it's, we're never narrowing our scope of like, you know, pandering towards a specific, you know, um, like what you, the expectations of like what a book should be. You just want like any kid to be able to pick this up and maybe find something in there that they like about it. Whether it's a character that looks like them or a joke that's funny to them or a cute dog. Um, we kind of just wanted to, you know, create like an a, a accessible book for, you know, kids of, you know, all backgrounds and stuff. Yeah. I really thought it was an interesting decision. I like that you made, you gave the young, uh, the younger brother a sort of like exuberant confidence and the older sister actually has like very palpable anxiety in the book where she's like really second guesses herself and people have to like sort of give her confidence throughout. She gains confidence uh, as she's going, uh, you know, as, as the book progresses, like getting this job working, spoiler, uh, working for the mayor. Um, <laughs> it's on like page four, but uh, man, they, never, they never, they never, oh man, more. you're never going to move any copies now. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, Interviews garbage, but now, like, anyway, now that I've ruined it, yeah. Well, they that she gains, you know, some some degree of confidence by by proving herself, by finding allies, by finding friends, and it, it kind of reminded me if you've if you've watched or read it, the the dynamic between the siblings and Over the Garden Wall, where there's oh, yeah. like the yeah. younger yeah. one yeah. is not old enough to be, yeah, yeah. totally huge inspiration, all time favorite. We love. Well, that's that. a really sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, I love I love over the garden wall. Yeah. So much. <laughs> I, think I was just going to say it's a very real dynamic between like yeah. young enough to have no self-doubt and old enough to have mm -hmm. start worrying essentially and that you know that can happen for some kids around 7 or 8 years old. I thought that was a really interesting. Yeah. What like is that from your life? Why did you choose to depict that? Um so I think with that I I essentially like grew up well, like my sister practically raised me for the most part. Um and I kind of think for just me I think there's like a weird thing in pop culture where you were kind of have this weird um, kind of like trope that like brothers and sisters can't get along, which I find super weird because I'm like, you know, I was like best friends with my sister when I was little, you know, and I think just like, I don't know, certain relationships like that, I think like are kind of underrepresented in comics. And I think, and I'm glad you picked up on the Aaron thing because I think that's a funny way of looking at like, we always do confidence as this good thing, but like Aaron is just like, you know, like he's too confident. That's, that's almost like his problem. He's just so, he's so sure of himself, even in like the most ridiculous situations, he's like so sure of it. Um, yeah, and, and comics, uh, often, yeah. Like, oh, sorry. Please continue. No, you're good. Go ahead. I was going to say the comics often focus on a hyper proficient character, and the thing that you're supposed mm -hmm. to like about the character is that they can do at least one thing very well. And I feel yeah. I remember being as a you know a kid, you have these sort of aspirational power fantasies that you get from comic books. But you're like, how come things aren't just? How come there's no switch that turns for me that makes everything easier all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting to see a character, you know, grow from not being confident, or also seeing a character who is confident, like. Have, that there are actually pitfalls to having no self-consciousness. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I think we're really proud of just Abby's journey because I think um, a lot of the feedback we've been getting, and it's really nice to hear people that they think, you know, they feel like the characters are realistic, which it's not like we really set out to be like, hey, let's write. You can never really set out and be like, hey, I'm going to write super realistic dialogue for kids or whatever. I just think just that lived-in experience of like the relationship of being friends with your sibling and 
um, just their two personalities and how they work together. I think, um, I don't know. We, I just, I just really love those characters. I think Aaron is like one of the funnest characters to write. I know Miranda loves drawing him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Miranda, what is it specifically that draws you to that character artistically? Aaron is so funny. I mean, he's like, I, I feel like when I was designing them, I was kind of trying to also make them opposite shapes too, or like just like differently shaped. And Aaron is very, he's very like long. He's very spindly. Like he, he's kind of like how kids, like when they're really young, like they're like made of rubber, you know, they they feel like they can do anything. Um, I really love Aaron. I also, I mean, I love Abby too, because she reminds me of me when I was a kid. Um, Yeah. I mean, they're both, they're both great. I, I feel really good about, about the relationship, like what Dave was saying too, about like how they love each other and their parents too, like, the yeah. whole family it seems like they really love each other throughout the book there, yeah there is actually a note um we got uh brand actually got through the art when we were originally doing the designs of abby and aaron and like abby's a little bit or um, aaron's a little bit taller than abby even though he's younger yeah. and that was like that's like the genius of miranda because that's just like a weird physical thing but you make something like that and that makes sense when you think about you know if you had a little brother who's bigger than you and you're smaller but you're supposed to be older and you're supposed to be like the mature one you know i think that like explains a lot of their their dynamic and it's something that they it kind of tells you that without even knowing it you can kind of just like pick up on how they stand next to each other and like that and i think a lot of just like the visual gags and physical stuff that like miranda's created in there is just like none of that was on the page that was all just miranda just coming up with designs and all that it was all just character names and you know uh, Abby's kind of anxious and she's, you know, really kind, but she's not sure of herself. And Aaron's just disgusting, you know, and uh, Miranda just kind of just rolled with it, you know, and it's, it's, it's real. That's what's great about comics is it's, you know, there's that trust of what I bring and what Miranda brings. And it's just creates this thing that probably couldn't exist if it was just either one of us, you know? Yeah. Thank, thank you, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about a specific choice that you made, which obviously impacts a ton of the book with a talking dog, with a dog mayor, excuse me, comedically, you can go in two directions. You can have him talk like a human being, or you could have him talk like a dog and just bark, bark, bark. So why yeah. have him talk like a human being? Why that choice? Brian, I don't know if there was anything we ever really yeah, even... It just yeah, felt, I think we were just like, he's, he's... I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly, like yeah. Mayor Goodboy kind of talks with Dave's voice. <laughs> At least that's how I imagine it. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He kind of, he says, he says dude a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's really, he's really chill. He's really cool. Um, but he yeah. has to, he has to, he has to present professionally, though, right? Like, because mm-hmm. he's the mayor. So he has, he has yeah. to talk. But he also, he barks a lot, too. And that's, that's yeah. I also think what was that the was decision just... behind oh sorry you, oh, I was just ahead, gonna say ahead. real quick um I think just like I think that's the easy joke to just like make him bark or they just talk to him and it's like this funny thing whereas I think we found a way to make him you know he'll be in the middle of a conversation and just like take a nap or just fall asleep or just like run away like to me that's so much funnier because you, you're reading this book and you're thinking you're having a conversation with this person, right? And then, like, out of nowhere, he'll just, like, run away or fall asleep. Like, to me, that's way funnier than just him, like, barking and you have to, like, translate it or whatever. So, like, for us, we kind of just try to go for the – not so much even the least obvious joke, just something that makes us laugh personally. And like I said, even from the beginning, that was never a question. We were – 100%, he would always just talk, and nobody would acknowledge it. That's, I think, so much funnier, too, in situations like that where he's a talking guy, but nobody cares. Like, he's just, you know, he's there hanging out, just, like, talking, doing a speech in a podium, you know? 
but for us creatively, I think that's just like so much more fun. Yeah. Nat, what were you going to ask? I was going to ask what the decision was between spelling the sound B-O-R-K instead of B-A-R-K. <laughs> that, just sounds, that just sounds like a real bark, I think, is fork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, a t- it's like a tiny bark. A bork is like little yeah. dog's bork. There's a science to that. Thank you for noticing that, by the way. See? All right, there is a science. So there is a scientific process towards determining the... Oh, yeah. The, um, we took years to... Or sound effect. Dog science. We- yeah, we took years to develop that. That's why the book took so long to come out. We've been working yeah, on it. Yeah, who are your favorite dog scientists? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I appreciated in the back matter of the book not only that you had the very typical but always very nice here's how to draw the characters thing, but you also had a section encouraging people, uh, kids specifically, to get involved in the electoral process and how that happens. <laughs> how did that come about, or was that part of the initial impetus of the book? Um. That was, that was, well, it was something that we all talked about, but I, I wrote <laughs> and drew that comic. Um, I think it was something like from the beginning, we, we really wanted there to be at least a little bit of like, kind of just talking to the camera to say, hey, here's how you participate in democracy, you know? Um, yeah. I think especially, like obviously the, the last several years have been so charged politically, like we, we wanted to, to leave kids with, with some like pr- really practical advice. <laughs> On what yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, we felt yeah. it just like fit within the book. Yeah. So it's like Miranda, as she said, wrote and drew that, which I wish we would actually write that because Aaron, like you, you, it's almost like I think we're on the same wavelength that like you almost can't even tell because it's like we understand the character so well. So Miranda like nailed that. Yeah. Um, in future yeah. volumes, are you really going to get into conservative versus liberal politics, possibly through a mayor a cat or something like that in another city? Mayor Bad Boy. Mayor Bad yeah. Boy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, Cats are the original with, Bad Boys. Yeah, I think with stuff like that, he, it's, he it's, smokes. Yeah, it's, yeah, he vapes in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see if we can that far. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he like vapes and he has like a like a, like a ninja motorcycle. Um, Don't give it all away right now. <laughs> <laughs> we still got time. It's fine. We still have time. Um, I think like I think um, at least creatively, without giving too much away, with like the the next couple of books we're doing. Um, the first book was just kind of obviously setting up the world and developing it. And the cool thing with sequels is we're able to like live in it more, and we're able to kind of introduce more characters within that. Um, so. Obviously, if you like the first book, I think you're going to like the other ones because it's still sort of the same message about, you know, community and all that. But I think there's a broader scope within community about, you know, local business and family situations and all that stuff like that. So we're going to be able to really jump um, more into like some character stuff with the sequels and get to know the town more, which we're really, really excited about. Cool. Yeah. And right now, those are scheduled for the next two years. You have one yeah. coming out in 2022 yeah. and one coming out in 2023. Are those still on schedule or is COVID pandemic the stuff knock that? As, as far as we know, we're good. Yeah, yeah knock on wood. Yeah, awesome. it's, it, I mean, it's, it's obviously been like a challenge to, to do anything during this past year. But <laughs> oh, yeah. As, yeah. as far as I know, we're still on schedule. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and Mayor Goodboy, it's out now everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at your local bookstore or comic store. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure talking about the book. Congratulations! Okay. It's thank super, you. super fun. This is awesome. Thank, thank you so much. We appreciate. Right. It. Thank you Have so a good day. Bye. All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called Mayor Good Boy. It's from Penguin Random House, and it's by Dave Scheidt and Miranda Harmon. Definitely check it out. Super fun. I gave this book to my son, and he was like, "That's weird, dog mayor." 
But he read the whole thing instantly in one sitting, so there you go. That's a pretty good review. It is, from a seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. He liked it. Well, that it. much is 224 pages of attention? That's that's a... Absolutely. I mean, that's a he's, solid endorsement. Not not to plus up my son or anything, but right no, now... No, yeah, he's... don't compliment your son or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, uh, who, whose job is that anyway? Yeah, I, I, don't, mean, I feel like you should sit right. on that one. If you like yeah. sons, I guess. If you do, if you do plus up your son right now, I'm going to need to hear about some of his flaws too. Yeah. Mm, well, he did sob about being bored today in the middle of what I was trying to do work, and I was like, "Well, do you want to play with any of those three Lego sets you got yesterday, or that marble game?" And he was like, "There's nothing to do. I'm bored." Oh, all so, right. So what did he do that's good then? You were going to say you were to say not to plus up my son. Oh, but... he he's been reading Bone. He read the complete Bone. So like, wow. He's been eating that up and loves it. And I haven't read Bone. So he's beating me to that. Double wow. Uh, does yeah. Justin know that? I feel like that's he, his go- or I don't want to spoil anything, Nat, but you're going to be co-hosting with him next week. I, hey, at least we'll have something to talk about, which is to say Bone. <laughs> wow. Some people have well, done required reading. I think we have stuff to talk about, too, sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, occasionally. But uh, that's a very important time in a child's life. I remember specifically how, old, like, like staying up with, like, a flashlight and mm-hmm. reading, like, because, you know, Lights Off had happened an hour ago, but I wasn't right. done with you the volume of Bone. You were a kid in the 1950s, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I used my Boy Scout uh, <laughs> I, I training to, to do a little a tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I, I actually, it wasn't actually a flashlight. It was a fire that I started right there with my tinderbox. And, oh, nice. uh, right on your I back. used it to read the latest Davy Crockett comic books. Oh man. Those were very racist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a racism badge for it though. So, oh, you know, nice. it was a different hey, time. Good for you. Uh, you know what hey, also thanks. happens at a different time is our audience questions, which we're going to move over to right now. <laughs> And for audience questions, this is pretty straightforward. All you guys got to do is you got to drop a question over in Ask a Question here on Crowdcast or on YouTube. Just drop something in the comments. Questions about anything. Geek stuff, Marvel stuff, DC stuff, love stuff, advice. Dating advice. Alex always says dating advice and Nobody no one ever asks dating questions. Nobody, I'm I, good at for this. 15 We're, years Alex I've been wanting married. to give up. He's a successful romantic. I am. I've had Ask two children. Comic book want... related dating questions. Ask me how baby made. I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you one thing, though, actually, Nat. If you do want baby made, you're going to probably want to turn to this week's sponsor, which is Manscaped and the Performance Package 4.0. You're going to want to trim that stuff down in order to make baby, get baby made, you know? And they have this. Make more obvious junk, be baby make. (laughs) Make junk prominent. Yes, so Manscaped, the Performance Package 4.0, there are a lot of different things that you get in this package. You get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, a travel bag to hold everything in, and also a manual on how baby made, which is very nice. I add, I add that in personally. They don't add that, but yeah, you actually have to text. Oh, you have to drop Alex a tweet with your address because, and then let's show him proof of purchase because they yeah. they've actually specifically said they won't do that. Right, definitely uh, after this ad, I because they don't know how be, babies are made. To be clear. right, they told me they were like, "Hey, I'm sorry, we're not including that in the copy," and I was like, "Got it. You don't know how baby made. I'll tell mm-hmm. you later." But. I do know how the Lawnmower 4.0 is made because it's got a 7,000 RPM motor of new multifunction on-off switch. 
and a travel lock. It's even waterproof. It also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can use if you're reading your dirty comics late at night in your bed like Nat used to back in the 1940s, I believe, when you were a kid. Yeah, let's These, keep backing it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll end up at the 1800s at some point with a flashlight. Yeah, I was, I was looking at woodcuts. Uh, I was looking at a what was sequential art in the 1800s. I was looking at a triptych painting and trying to infer yeah. a narrative. All right, go the, on. The, you know, the original comics were cave paintings. Exactly. No, that's actually it. true. That is, I know. I agree with true. you on that. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> okay, that's a good joke because they so, have a historical the, base. It's true. Every every good joke is based in truth. So the performance package for also has a weed whacker. Um, that is also waterproof. Has a nine thousand RPM motor, so you can run races with your lawnmower four See which one is faster. Tell you what, it's the weed whacker. It's a whole two thousand RPM faster. But put them on the floor. See which one gets you know past the line or like. To your wife first or whatever. She's like, come like, on, come on. Which one of you loves me more? This is, this is how babies are made, right? Just and to be clear, how, we're still on that topic. Okay, that's how yep. baby made. Wife, judge which device faster. Don't forget about the crop preserver, ball deodorant, or the crop reviver, or the bag, or the boxers, or any of that good stuff. But I'll tell you what. Get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code fansign 20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you. Wow. And that last part makes a lot more sense if you read the rest of the copy instead of just riff on it. But Well, you know, we made a choice, and I think that <laughs> there's stuck pros with it. cons to either one. You know, if you've read uh, um, Judith Butler, you understand that all gender is a performance. So why not uh, embrace your performance of masculinity by referring to your genitals uh, with a series of farming metaphors, uh, Manscaped, with our uh, promo code, fansided20, uh, dash Judith Butler at checkout. <laughs> I'll tell you what, since we started doing these Manscaped ads, every time I go to YouTube now, it's a Manscaped ad. Every single time, right on the front page. It's very weird. I think it's listening yeah. to me. It's like when you go to buy something and then you do buy it and then they're like, hey, you know what you might like this thing <laughs> you searched for. And you're like, yeah, no, I did buy it already, though. So, yeah, let me get a second lawnmower. You're right. Yeah. I keep getting that from Pinterest. Constantly they're sending me emails. Maybe it's not Pinterest. Maybe I'm thinking something else. But I definitely am getting a lot of emails like, hey, people in your area are really interested in buying book. Yeah. Oh, so the thing that you already bought. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right. I already got that. Let's Target go to some questions are here. good. Uh, ooh, this is a good one right off for you. This is from Stanley over on YouTube. Nat is really great. What is his backstory? Oh. What is his back? Great question mark. What is his backstory with the show? Nat, what is your backstory with the show? Other than you brought a lime one time and never left. That's true. This is the, that same lime from 15 mm -hmm. years ago. The truth of the matter is that I was a huge comic book fan in high school, kind of stopped reading in college, got back into it in my early 20s. I was doing a com uh, comedy show called The Moon that was sp sponsored by Forbidden Planet Comics, and I got a big fat discount and started reading comic books again. <laughs> and I started looking for comic book podcasts, and I started listening to this one, uh, not aware of the fact that I had already met Alex and Justin at other times, went to the live show, I believe when it was at Fontana's, shook Justin's hand afterwards and said, hey, I, that was a really great show. I've been listening to the podcast. My name is Nat. And Justin said, we've met. You did my other comedy <laughs> show because I'm a stand-up comedian. And I'd already performed at Justin's comedy show, Gentrify, at the Brooklyn Lyceum, to which I was like, oh, yeah, there were like six hosts. I'm sorry, I forgot. And then Alex, you and I also had worked together on the ECNY Awards, which I had not. Uh, I don't think I'd put that together unless I'm getting the chronology wrong. 
And I became a regular at the show, big fan. And um, I don't know, I befriended Pete somewhere along the way there too. Oh, I studied improv with Pete LePage. Oh, yeah, uh, well, you know, it's sort of a, a sort of a like like Professor X and Magneto. The the greatest uh, rivalries come from a, a basis of friendship. Yeah, you have a and, real uh, chess match thing going on. Is I think what's happening. Yeah, I bet Pete and I both are good at chess. I think that's a good way <laughs> of looking at it. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I thought of individually uh, had relationships with all three hosts, but I'm also just a huge comic book fan and a fan of the show. And uh, I think I just attended until they were like, all right, you, you're here anyway. Yeah, pretty much. There mm-hmm. you go. That's the story. Uh, let's go here to the Crowdcast for some questions. Ooh, Randolph, dating advice. What is the best nerdy movie for a first date. That's love it. Randolph, thank you so much for listening to us and asking a dating question. I love it. I meant, I'm trying to remember which podcast I mentioned this on. I think this was our Stargirl podcast that's posting later tonight. This is not a good answer because I've actually never seen this movie. But okay. in college, I rented Gattaca and invited a girl over. <laughs> I know. What? Terrible. And proceeded to watch Gattaca with her with my glasses off because I was like, what if we kiss? And then my glasses are on and we like, I don't know, what do I do with my glasses? This was very early in my dating life. So How old are you in this story? Uh, too old for that to be a question, but I definitely left my glasses off. Could not tell what was going on with Gattaca. We did, we did end up kissing. So as far as I'm concerned, Gattaca, very romantic movie, I think. Yeah, because you're okay. I know this is not what we want, but also a friend of mine once took someone on a first date to see Spotlight in theaters. <laughs> he oh didn't know what it was about. <laughs> he said he just heard it was like a critically acclaimed movie. Everyone was going to see Spotlight, so they should go see it together. It's about child sex abuse. If you haven't seen it, this is all, these are all bad answers. The answer to your question is Ghost World, adapted from the Daniel Klaus comic. It's very romantic. Wow. It's also uh, adapted from a comic book. You can, if you're dating someone who's not in comic books, you can introduce them to comic books through the naturalistic. Uh, narratives of Dan Klaus. And if it is a comic book fan, uh, well, they've probably seen it already, but it's a great movie to watch anyway. And it's got a, a really good Steve Buscemi performance in it. And it's got a lot of heart. That's Is that geeky enough? Or, or No, I think that pretty much works. That's definitely a specific type of geeky, but I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I'd also All right, throw Thor out... Two, I mean, the Dark well, I mean, this is also one of my favorite movies, but I'd throw out Princess Bride as well, because I think it's oh, super man. romantic. It's maybe not exactly geeky, but it's definitely like it's a fantasy movie. And it's in it's that world, certain, yeah. Yeah. And you could probably take a date to see it as like, I'm sure there's some sort of talkback screenings or something like that where everybody does the whole Rocky Horror thing going on. Um, so that might be. Oh, fun. I have a new answer, though. What's um, your new answer? Well, this is true. On the uh, maybe second time I ever hung out with my girlfriend. Uh, she mentioned that one of her favorite movies was The Iron Giant, which is a movie that I have a framed poster of on my wall uh, that I got at New York Comic Con. And uh, we did not watch that together on an early date, but we united over our love of that movie. And I think The Iron Giant is, again, not like specifically a comic book movie, but falling, it's definitely like uh, respectful of that culture. Well, I mean, it's about a comic book fan in the 50s, yeah. too. It's got a kind of, kind of like a golden age feeling Vin to Diesel it. Diesel in it. He's the voice of it's, Groot as well. Ladies love the voice of Vin Diesel. And uh, if you want to get your lady in the mood, I think the guttural uh, mm-hmm. robotic grunting of Vin Diesel is... If you want to start a relationship a quarter mile at a time, Vin Diesel's voice. That's the place to go. Also, Pitch Black. Very... Pitch Black, a very romantic movie as well. Chronicles mm-hmm. of Riddick. 
Riddick. Okay. Those are all yeah. romantic movies mm-hmm. that I might mention. Fast Seven. Boiler Room. Uh, what's the What's the one where he's like a nanny, or is that? Am I thinking of The Rock? I'm sure the, they, they've uh, all the been Tooth nannies. Fairy, The Rock. They've all been nannies at different. Oh, times. The Pacifier. Thank you, Kevin, yeah. in the comments. For action stars, there are two things that you need to do. One is be a nanny in a movie at some point because it's funny. They're dealing mm-hmm. with kids. And the other one is fight yourself. You got to right? fight yourself. Like yeah. a younger robotic version of yourself, for sure. What they got to do is they got to do like a nanny versus nanny thing where it's, uh, I don't know, who's a good Kindergarten one? cop versus yeah, the Anthony pacifier. Anthony Mackie versus Anthony Mackie. So it's the same. It's two Anthony Mackies. They're both nannies and they end up fighting. That's the ultimate what? action movie. Yes. I'm nodding for the audio podcast. <laughs> I'm just Agreed. agreeing. There's move nothing move to on. I, I am done. All right. Let's move mm-hmm. back to YouTube because we have a couple of things happening over here. Nelson Martinez says, what are some good TV shows you're currently or recently checked out and anything coming out soon that you're looking forward to? Well, Nelson, before I go to Nat for this, I will mention if you are a Patreon subscriber on this week's Week in Geek, you're going to get my exclusive fall TV preview where I run down a bunch of things that are coming throughout the fall and tease some things that I'm definitely breaking an embargo on, but don't tell anybody, but there you go. <laughs> but uh, that all said, now, what have you been watching or what are you excited to check out on TV? Uh, I've been watching uh, Evil on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, I'm yeah. late to it, but I'm getting into it. Um, I, As I said to Alex earlier, I, I almost turned it off in like the first 10 minutes. Not because it was bad, it just was not the mood I was into, and there's a lot of stabbing early on. It's mm-hmm. like primetime TV appropriate violence but there's just a lot of knife sounds and blood and i was not in the mood for it but i'm glad i stuck it out it's an interesting show uh i love the cast uh mike coulter i will say still a little stiff but very yeah. charming and uh you promised me that they use him well as the show goes on so yeah, I'm, if you I'm haven't seen intrigued. the show it's a uh, mike coulter plays a junior priest or priest in training i don't actually remember what his position is who is he's two out of five years into a training program to become a priest yes and he is tasked with looking into potentially supernatural mysteries things of potential exorcisms essentially to evaluate them whether they are real or not and then bring it back to the church and then the church can say okay we're going to go forward with an exorcism or not and so he recruits two other people a tech guy played by asaf manvi and katya herbers who's the skeptic so it's a very x-filesy setup there but the stuff that happens the first episode stick with it like the first episode is very a setup episode like you're saying i agree mike coulter very weird and staccato in his delivery like he's like i'm delivering lines right now even though he's a ridiculously he always makes a really like like charming face when he does Mm -hmm. the lines and and he's just so incredibly handsome that you're like he's flirting with me it's okay if he's not good (laughs) at acting and then you're like wait he's on yeah no this is he is acting and he's not flirting with me you have to remember that but uh but they do figure out better how to use him pretty quickly in the series and it's legitimately a terrifying show like it's a funny show but there are episodes there that i had actual nightmares off of watching even though they break the tension a lot of the time with humor so it's weird it's funny like i said it's on paramount plus i think they just finished the second season uh no season three is out on paramount plus now or it has been airing on paramount I think they're releasing it weekly, like as if it were. No, it's season two. They just had a break in it. Oh, it's two. Oh, okay. That's why I was confused. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But yeah, very good stuff. Uh, The other stuff I'll recommend that's out right now, Heels on Stars. I feel like I've talked about this a bunch of times. I know a lot of people don't have stars, but this is a small town wrestling drama. It's kind of like Friday Night Lights, but with 
wrestling, sort of. Uh, stars Stephen Amell from Arrow, uh, Alexander Ludwig okay. from Vikings, and they're two brothers, and one of them plays the heel on stage, the other is the face. Are they that way in real life? I'll let you figure it out. Wow. But what it's from have? Michael Waldron, who is the showrunner of Loki. It was actually one of the first things that he wrote that got him notice. Mike O'Malley is the main showrunner, like he did the day-to-day operations of it. And I've seen the whole first season. It crushes it in the finale. I'm not into wrestling at all. This is definitely, like, completely drew me in. I've talked to people who are into super, super into wrestling, and they've loved it as well. So super lot of heart, a lot of humor, and the fights are awesome. Like, really good. It's the sort of thing, and I, I hesitate to say this for anybody who is a wrestling fan, but the thing that kind of pushes me off of wrestling sometimes is the idea of, like, they're doing a great job of selling it, but I know that they've scripted it out, Mm -hmm. but are kind of pretending that it's real, but are also, you know, there's a little bit of improv and whatever. But at least it takes forever for anything to happen. (laughs) Always. Yes. Versus this, which I know is scripted. So I think it gets past that level already, even though they really are going for the crests and builds of a wrestling match in there. They've worked with local wrestling people to make it feel very authentic. So it, it kind of gets past that hub for me. I don't know if it'll do it for other people, but I think it's really good. And the other one that I'll mention is What We Do in the Shadows on FX is back, and that show is great. It's a vampire comedy. Oh. Super, super fun. Definitely check it out. One of my absolute favorites. I mean, watch the movie if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Uh, and What We Do in the Shadows, season one is sort of a continuation of the movie. The characters are not the same characters, but they have sort of the same dynamic. They cast people who look like the ones from the movie. (laughs) But season two, there are episodes in that that I, you know, people say there's only so many stories told. There are things that happen in season two. And it's a comedy where I was just like, I never thought of that. I've never seen anyone do this before. I've never seen this concept. And then that premise will be the first four minutes of the episode. And then it goes completely wild from there. It's so good. And uh, Oh, and if I can throw in one more show that I am watching right now. I've mm-hmm. seen it before, but I've been watching it again recently. Is Three Busy Debras. It's a sort of sketch, absurdist comedy show about three extremely wealthy women that aired on Adult Swim. They're 11-minute episodes. It's impossible to explain. Just watch the pilot. It's very funny. It's one of the funniest shows I've seen in a while. Awesome. We got one here on Crowdcast from Eduardo. Alex, anything you want to say in a safe Justin and Pete-free environment? <laughs> yes, I miss them. On a more serious note, any expectations based on the Suicide Squad disappointment in Shang-Chi success situation are we now doomed never to have simultaneous streaming releases? So I don't know if you have a opinion on this, Nat, necessarily, but just to give people the background on this, the exactly as Eduardo lays out, Suicide Squad definitely underperformed. It wasn't the only movie it's it's a box office stuff is confusing because suicide squad came out and it was like massive disappointment the next week free guy came out they were like huge success they made basically the same exact amount of money two weekends in a row to the point that i looked at that i was like this is just how much money movies could make right now delta variant cases are rising people are concerned about going to the theater that's just what it is then shang chi comes out this weekend i think there was Candyman did fine well for a horror movie and something else did okay. Uh, And then Shang-Chi comes out, of course, and dominates again for pandemic times, one of the lowest Marvel openings ever, but still, I think the biggest Labor Day opening ever. The first thing that you could point to there that I think everybody's missing is, well, probably not everybody listening to this show, but it's a Marvel movie. 
And Marvel movies are the exception that proved the rule every single time out of the gate. They do incredibly. I don't think you could draw any lessons from that. The only lesson that could be drawn that I do think is an unfortunate lesson is Sony immediately came out and said, hey, great news about that Shang-Chi thing. We're going to move Venom up two weeks to August, October 1st instead of October 15th. So people could see that earlier. And that also is going to continue to only be theatrical, no streaming. So I think they know, yes, people are going to look at that as a Marvel movie. That's how that's going to work. But I'm very doubtful that movies are back, baby. But I think to the point Eduardo is making, that is how the movie studios are going to see it for, I'd say for better or for worse, but for worse. Yeah, I think you're right that it's actually more of a reflection of the fact that the uh, MCU just has momentum. Like, I feel like the DC movies, they have their diehards. You meet them on the internet sometimes. They usually have weird opinions about uh, crypto and other uh, associated things. You know, I don't know who these people are, but they. I know I know that DC and uh, uh, live-action movie stands do exist, but it's just not the cultural phenomenon. Like, I feel like for the general public, a DC movie is treated with some skepticism like what is this who are these guys whereas in like the next installment in the mcu which Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi could be a very who who is this guy kind of reaction it had it happened 10 years ago but i think the fact that it is the especially after we waited a long time mm-hmm. it, i almost think it was beneficial for the mcu because if you if you look at the the slate right after uh infinity war endgame rather they weren't exactly the highest hyped movies but i think we've waited long enough now that people are like mcu is back finally marvel movies and people are maybe more likely to go to see a shang chi movie than they would have been had it just come out dutifully six months after uh, or or 12 months after endgame yeah but i think now if you look at the schedule and i don't have the full movie schedule in front of me because everybody is rabbit brained or chicken brained or whatever you know short memory thing you want to call out necessarily goldfish Sha- brain goldfish brain that was the correct thing thank you so shang chi came out all that stupid. dominated don't worry. the studios are going to be like movies are back baby and then we're going to have a month of movies where they're going to be like Ugh, is the box office in trouble or theaters in trouble then venom comes out at the beginning of october they're going to be like movies are back baby and then we're going to get another month where they're going to be like, Dune really underperformed, probably because it's also streaming on HBO Max. This is really bad. And then November, you're going to have some movie, probably a Turtles, that's going to do the same thing. They'll be like, wow, movies are back. They're never going to learn. Never. So to the short answer to your question is, yes, we are doomed for this pattern forever because movie studios don't recognize the fact that people are dying in the world and they need to provide other options that are better and safer for people. It sucks. Yeah, that's not great. And I also think that, like, um, I think that it's kind of absurd to discuss, like, what are movies going to be? Because it's this, you know, this is a totally unprecedented territory, this, like, simultaneous streaming and theatrical release. And not only is, like, that new, but every instance of when that happens the covid crisis is at a different so like you know i i saw black widow in theater uh, and i feel like you know a few months earlier i definitely wouldn't have seen a movie in theaters it's possible that a month from now i won't be comfortable see, you know mm-hmm. depending on where new york was at with the level of vaccinations right when i got vaccinated a lot of people still weren't i wouldn't have seen a movie in theaters then so it's not even like oh how is this doing for a pandemic release or how is this doing for a post vaccines release it's like every movie comes out in a different America, like a different exactly. environment. There's no way of comparing them to each other, um, except to say that MCU movies are just kind of have like 
you know, their cars on a freight train that's already moving downhill. So, uh, yeah, throw a few bodies on the tracks. They're going to keep moving. <laughs> well, I like that, that metaphor. A, that is a dark metaphor, but it's 100% correct. We have a bunch of stuff talk, stacking, excuse me, up here on YouTube. So let me move over here. Radlam says, I'm moving this weekend. Do you have any awful moving stories? Sure. My short one is I moved from the city to Brooklyn and a guy stole my credit card and used it. That was pretty bad. Luckily, I got reimbursed for most of the stuff and caught it pretty quickly, but that was a huge bummer. What about you, Nat? Any bad moving stories? Uh, well, in college, I think I lived in seven, no, like 11 apartments in four years. <laughs> and then after that, I lived in the same apartment for a decade, just out of pure spite for having uh, had to move so many times. So I don't have, it's not a great story. It's uh, moving sucks and uh, stay where you are till you die. Uh, more on a comics bent. This is from Scott Carpenter, also on YouTube. Favorite Hickman X-Men title that has ended. I was really getting into Way of X. Hope it comes back before Onslaught. X-Factor. X-Factor? Well, that was a huge mistake. I think it was under, underperforming. They they were like one-fifth of the way through everything that they were setting up in X-Factor. Such an interesting story. Uh, started with a Mojoverse story. That's the first mm -hmm. Mojoverse story I've seen since the 80s that was even relevant. Like, I feel like the Mojoverse was created when, like, cable became a thing. And not the character, television cable. Like, <laughs> oh, there's two, There's more that you can watch. People are obsessed. The MTV generation has no attention span. Mojo was originally a like exaggeration of that world right like this is a future or a world where where entertainment rules everything and then recent ex, uh, recent mojo stories have just sort of been like culturally time stamped in the 80s so they didn't mm -hmm. work this was the first one that was like it's about streamers it's about what if everyone had a stream all the time everyone has drones all these characters and like whatever you can do it's like the attention economy whatever you can do to draw the most people to your stream it was such a like brilliant and relevant take on the mojo verse and they definitely um you know went in a different direction after that brought different characters in but I, I thought they had set up such an interesting team they were they barely solved solved the mystery of what happened to prodigy like it, it this series just ended so abruptly mm -hmm. i'm again i'm sure there was an executive decision it wasn't selling as much but it's kind of a frustrating thing when they when you know like i said earlier in the show you basically have to read every title in order to follow the X books right now. And I feel like at that point you almost need to float some lower selling books just to keep them in the overall narrative, because I feel like that narrative and what's happening with all those characters just kind of is a, a dangling thread. And, and I know they're all coming back in trial of Magneto and Inferno, but I feel like that book ended. It's one of those cancellations that just does, didn't even have time to wrap up the current arc. Like it, mm. just, it was just, they hit the hellfire gala. They kind of went reflected that and then they're like, well, we'll see what happens. And you can tell that the writers, you know, there's some narration at the end of the final issue that the writers are just sort of like, well, we, we wish it, we wish it weren't happening either, but oh well. This is a little bit of a cheat, but I'm going to work off a comment here from Architectural Foam Panels and Columns says, I don't think anything's topped the initial House of X and Powers of Ten stories. Hickman's X-Men run was in an even but fun, fell off after New Mutants after a bit. But this is pivoting off of something we were talking about, I think, last week on the live show, that I just haven't felt the same energy since House of X, Powers of Ten. You know, that mm -hmm. I've really liked a lot of these titles, but that had a 
a necessary nature to reading those books just by the mm-hmm. amount that it was focused that I wish we could get back to. And I'm repeating myself here. I understand the economic reasons that they're not. You know, we talked to Jordan D. White, the editor, about this, and he was like, we were terrified to only publish one X-Men title a week. What were we going to do financially? How can we do that? We can't afford to do that. And ultimately, they did blow out the X-Men a lot again. A lot of the stuff is really quality. But because they've blown it out, as a reader, it becomes, this is nice across the board and sort of evens out critically in my mind versus that initial run that felt just i have to read this this is the first thing that i'm reading every single week yeah i see that i mean i i think i'm a little more caught up in them than you are i'm i'm Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe i'm just a a bigger fan of that style of storytelling i feel like you know it's interesting i recently went back and read a lot of just the hickman x-men book and i i you know when i was reading it i was reading four other books a week at least and and the story kind of intertwines there and i was actually surprised how much linear progression there is in the Hickman X-Men book because you know mm-hmm. the story jumps into X-Factor and Professor X gets attacked all these things happen so I was like oh it's like it's one weaving storyline so like winding but I actually realized that if you read the Hickman book linearly without reading the tie-in books it actually tells a very you know the the, the focus of the story from uh, House of X Powers of 10 which is essentially this anti-rise of AI that you know will replace uh the, like you know the rise of nimrod this is the thing mm-hmm. that they're trying to prevent mostly um that story has so much more momentum if you just read straight from house of x into x-men number one and go straight forward from there through the x-men books it just kind of i would what would happen to me is every time a new hickman x-men book would come around i'd be like what was happening last like because sometimes <laughs> it just they just felt like all different anecdotes and there is that one that just looks like a 90s x-men book and they go into space and fight some aliens but most of them really are a reflection of the story that came out of House of X. And to kind of answer the question in a, a different way, I was bummed that Hickman stopped writing the main title. I know he's doing Inferno. Yeah. Uh, he's been known to write multiple books a month. So I was I figured he could do, I wanted him to do both. He's also known for falling way behind on event books. So maybe, you know, maybe it was sure. a good decision. But it was weird to me to replace it with, I like the Jerry Dugan X-Men number one, but that to me feels like 90s X-Factor. Like it's a battle team. They're going on missions. They're fighting aliens. They got the classic style costumes. They've got a new base. It doesn't feel at all to me like a replacement for the Hickman X-Men series, Mm -hmm. which was very much a Hickman style. Like everything is deeply in the past tense. It's mythological. It's about like this incredibly like wide view of the X-Men universe. I felt like there was room for both of those. Just call the Jerry Dugan book I mean, you can't call it X-Factor because there is an X-Factor, but like, I don't know, new X-Men, uncanny X-Men, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the name's not important, but I, I thought there was room for both of those books. So I'm wondering where the main mythology storytelling is going to happen, because it seems like the Dugan book is is all about this like one galactic casino storyline right now. Well, it sounds like nowhere and everywhere, right? I mean, I'm sure plans will change in a year, but you have Hickman jumping off of it at this point wrapping up his run, leaving X-Men for good. I think they've started talking about Inferno as his final X-Men story pretty definitively. And he said, yeah, everybody kind of wants to stay in this first act place that I left them. So who knows where it was going in act two, who knows where it was going in act three, but this whole idea of mutants building a new society on Krakoa and uh, Araka, Araco, 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 and yeah. also Mars now. That is Mars is Araco. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. Thank you. Uh, they 
Why is that hard to remember? There was Okara. It was split by Surtur into two separate islands, Arako mm-hmm. and Krakoa. Arako spent uh, roughly a thousand years in a demon, a demonic nether realm named Amenth, where they mm-hmm. were sort of like infiltrated by demons and eventually became like synonymous with it. They sort of invaded back into our reality through the vile kingdoms of vile courts of uh, other worlds surrounding, you know, the Starlight Citadel. And then during X of Swords, of course, the uh, sword base destroyed all the demons of Amenth and then brought Arako back to Earth. But it didn't want to bond with Krakoa again because things had changed over time. So they terraformed Mars and transported, teleported Arako to Mars. And Mars has now become renamed Arako. It's a mutant society. I don't see why that's hard to follow. So I appreciate you saying all that. But the entire time in my head, I was just thinking, Arako. Krakoa, oh, I wanna go. That's it. I'll work out the rest of it later on, but I appreciate. Yeah, I want the full. By the time this podcast gets posted, there has to be posted. There has to be like a post credits, like three and a half minute version of the song. Absolutely. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, let's. We got a couple more questions here. This is from Randolph. Are either of you excited for any of the upcoming comic book video games? Suicide Squad, Gotham Knights, Midnight Suns. I don't have a lot of time to play video games what do you got kids or something yeah well my son and i but they a kid thinks it's boring i heard Mm -hmm. well he to give you an idea of the video games i can play this weekend we played a lot of poke park which is pikachu goes around a pokemon theme park and becomes friends with other pokemon and gets crystal shards and saves everybody through the power of friendship fun game he loved it but i'm probably not going to play gotham knights where i assume nightwing kills some dudes uh, unclear with how murderous that game's going to be. It looks pretty dark. I, I, so I'm, I'm a little out of the loop as a gamer, but I did read the original Gotham Knights series pretty religiously, and I, I was a huge fan of the Batman books when that was first coming out. I want to say like 1999, 2000 when the first Gotham Knights series launched. Um, it was like right after No Man's Land, mm-hmm. and when basically when they were like Batman's got too many sidekicks what's what are we gonna do what are we doing about this and then they're like put them all in one book that's actually the point he's lonely but he surrounds himself with people make a whole book about that rather than being like we kind of just cram too many people in one universe and but that series is really good or at least i loved it at the time i've reread it and i think it, it holds up maybe not as obsessively as when i was a teenager but I'm excited to see how that plays out in in a video game form. And I don't think it's going to be the post-crisis, pre-New 52 versions of those characters necessarily. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I've always had a a place in my heart for that that book and those characters. So I'm I'm excited to check that one out. Yeah. We got another question here. This is from Kevin. Who's the Marvel character you're most surprised hasn't been used or announced for the MCU? Also, quiz... So Kevin has been doing the secret quiz. Kevin, I don't know if Nat is going to do it. We'll wait until... I don't know what he's referring to. Okay. Uh, Until Pete and Justin get back. So that'll probably actually be two weeks when both of them are back. But that all said, let's answer the first part of the question. Who's the Marvel character you're most surprised hasn't been used or announced for the MCU? Uh, you know, I mean, I can say who I want to see, but I, I was going to say Galactus, but I'm actually not surprised because I think mm-hmm. that they're like increasing the scale, you know, Thanos being the cosmic big bad. And you've Ronan the ac- Accuser in there who's like a pretty powerful, but like, you know, villain. But then the step up is, is Thanos. Um, and then, 
you know, I feel like going to Kang from there, it's like, well, he's a master of the multiverse. He can travel mm-hmm. through time. Like, that supersedes Thanos' power over reality. Uh, as we all know, the Infinity Gauntlet only works in the uh, within the reality where those Infinity sure. Stones are found. Yes. So you bring him into you bring him into another reality. You're wearing you're wearing a nice glove, buddy. Uh, sell it at a, at a pawn shop, sure. But uh, so you know, Kang far more po- more powerful. You could argue that Kang is more powerful than Galactus or whatever. But I feel like they're they're very, being very careful about escalating the threats. Doctor Doom is one. Yeah. I, again, I'm focused on villains, and I, I know Doctor Doom was sort of in a number of failed Fantastic Four movies, but that seems like such a good villain, such an obvious mm-hmm. choice. The, the you know sovereign nation uh, part where he's sort of sort of like a a lawful neutral character, where he, he everything he does is about protecting you know uh, Latveria. So he's not necessarily evil. He's manipulative. You know, he's he's. Uh, He's 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 a planner, and I, I think he's such an interesting villain with a where where he's like a cold and analytical, but also has this deeply emotional background. Where I feel like that would be such a good uh, villain to insert into the MCU at some point. I guess they'll probably wait until they bring the Fantastic Four in. It seems pretty obvious, but yeah, that was I was going to call out Doctor Doom as well, and I think there's ways of bringing in Doctor Doom without the Fantastic Four, at least teasing him. It's the sort of thing where you have somebody mention. Be like, nice mask, stupid. (laughs) Yep, that's exactly what I was teasing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I get it. Well, anyway, what was the point you were making? (laughs) I'm honestly not sure. But I do think you could bring him on without the Fantastic Four movie, but I also understand why they are waiting for that. A couple of things. How would you introduce him, though? Like, what would he be the. uh... I don't know. Like, at a delegation or something, right? Right, we go to the UN, and there's just yeah, like exactly. a bunch of normal guys and one man in, like, yeah, in a metal suit with a metal mask, an echoing voice from the inside of the helmet. Or you yeah. slowly I'm, tease I'm it out. It. You announce like there's some news footage from Latveria, and you have a guy in the distance in a cloak, and you can't quite tell who it is, and yeah, fans yeah. lose their mind. You know, I, I think yeah, you I'm, do I'm it, for it. Point. Uh, a couple of things that people mentioned here: Nova, they had the Nova core. In Guardians We've seen of the like Galaxy. four thousand Novas. Yeah, there's been a lot of. You want uh, Richard Ryder or uh, yeah, Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander or something like that. Yeah. Sam Alexander seems like almost a no-brainer for a Disney Plus series at some point. Squirrel Girl and Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck was in Guardians of the Galaxy and also and in Marvel's What If. What if. There yeah. you go. So uh, Edward Doherty says Green Goblin hasn't been in the, any of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies yet. I will point you to Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, did you kind not see of... the Green Goblin bomb rolling down the uh, highway? Yeah, I mean, do we want to I mean, talk no, about... No follow-up to that, but... Yeah. No follow-ups. Do we want to talk about potential spoilers or anything? Or... I mean, I'm speculating based on the trailer. That's clearly... Sure. There's clearly... I mean, Dr. Octopus, but there's there's evidence of other villains in there. And also, like, I, I am not like... I'm not like you people. I try mm-hmm. to avoid internet chatter about a movie I'm definitely about to see. And even I know <laughs> that there's going to be a lot of the... Spider-Man villains that are in the other right. two instances that are in this too. Yeah, exactly. So that was so, that. Just the bomb seemed like proof to me. Is all exactly. Yes, either that or it's a weird green ball, and somebody's going to be like, "Play it yeah. through, play it through." Yeah, we're playing a, a future golf which exists in this universe. It's normal <laughs> to all of us, and someone's like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah no, it's, nor- it's, it's normal blip. to me too." This is 2025. I don't know if you remember. We hardly ever mention it. It's super weird, but all of these movies oh, yeah, take place the in the future. Shang-Chi, for example, takes place in the future. Okay, bye. All the cars look like they do in your world, but it's actually three years or four years later. 
<laughs> Very weird. Hey, do you think, yeah, um, do you think that they're going to give the Green Goblin the same stupid mask as in the Tobey Maguire movies? Or have we no. found a way I to make I think that if we're going to straight up talk about this, uh, the rumor is, and tune away if you don't want to know anything about No Way Home, but the very okay, strong rumor. My... Okay. The very strong rumor is that Willem Dafoe is coming back as the Green Goblin. Like that's. I mean, that would rule. Yes, that would rule. And I think. This is just pure speculation on my part, but I think part of the reason they have not revealed him beyond they don't want to spoil everything about the movie is I think he probably will have the traditional Green Goblin costume, right? In some way, and not the metallic Power Ranger costume from the movies. Yeah, I mean, the costume from the movies, I love his performance. The costume is very silly. I mean, that's kind of the point, but also it was one of those early... I mean, I say early, early in the current phase of comic book movies, like adaptations where they didn't quite know how Tim Burton need to go and how naturalistic to go, right? A lot of the, the Tobey Maguire one is more naturalistic. Sam Raimi, I should say. But uh, the Green Goblin costume was clearly a, a choice as to how to interpret a Silver Age costume. Mm -hmm. So when you say the costume from the comics, I'm curious, how do you envision that? Is it cloth? Is it armor? Is his face all fucked up from I the think, Goblin Serum? So Edward over here says, no, they want nostalgia. It'll be the same costume. I could see a scenario where he comes through whatever portal or however these villains are coming through with the traditional metallic costume and then gets an upgrade you know whether it's or like oh the portal melted my mask yeah. i gotta pull it off ah, there we go oh it melted in a ah. way that's much cooler oh no oh, it looks awesome now ah. oh, fuses to his face and he's like i yeah. actually like this <laughs> i can see they could do something like with mysterio right with jake gyllenhaal's mysterio where you could tell it was almost a classic Mysterio costume, but it was upgraded oh, it was for the movies. Out, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, well, also, with Gyllenhaal, they definitely did a, like, how do you introduce this, like, I think mm -hmm. it works for the Mysterio character. I don't think you can do this for everyone, where it's like, one of the early superhero movie tropes, and again, early of this phase, is like, you know, especially in your X-Men and Spider, like, showing the original costume and be like, huh, I'd never wear that thing. You know, like, yeah. the sort of campy nod to, you know, Jessica Jones did it, a million of them have done it, but... Um, I wonder if, like, you know, Mysterio, I thought that really worked because of the, I mean, I guess spoilers for Far From Home. Tune out for 20 seconds if you haven't seen Far From Home, but you didn't already tune out for these other spoilers. <laughs> but uh, it's a, you know, it's a fake out, right? Like, if yeah. he's, a, and, and Mysterio is a big theatrical, like, dramatic actor character. That's what's so fun about him uh, that, like, I think that really works for that character. I wouldn't love it if every villain was like, oh, get it? This is stupid, right? Or, like... Or like fear mongering or whatever. Yeah. Like another example would be the original Mandarin. The like the like the Mandarin mm -hmm. is a is is a rumor essentially. You know that's that's another interpretation. Well, but of it, but I don't at, think you can do that every time. If we want to get into it though, talking about the different villains that they've had in the Spider-Man movies, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, the Vulture is definitely updated. Obviously, it's Michael Keaton. It's not an old bald man flying around in a tight green suit for no particular reason. That is but true. But it looks cool like it's a very cool vulture suit that he has throughout that movie and it's pretty terrifying same thing with the mysterio thing like you're talking about where it has that sense of mysterio from the comics while still being sleeker and more interesting and not embarrassing to look at so i think whatever they bring in you know they showed off doc ock already and that's just alfred Berlina in a trench coat with horrifying robot arms that already looks pretty neat but if you have the other ones we already know that they're probably Electro is in it. Jamie Foxx is in it as Electro. We know that. He's already talking. We know about that it. from casting, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. But we Which also is know a that choice, but yes. okay. Well, but we also know that he's going to look different. Like, if you look at the trailer, 
there is regular yellow lightning coming out in the middle of the trailer, my suspicion there is you're going to have Jamie Foxx's Electro, but it's going to be probably not the big bolts coming off of his face, but it's going to be a little more traditional Electro versus the blue Electro from the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Sandman already looks cool. He's probably showing up in this movie as well based on... Do we know if it's Thomas Hayden Church? We don't. We do know that there seems to be giant sand creatures in the trailer, but that's pretty much it. Uh, And there's probably one more to round out the Sinister Sticks. Certainly looks like the lizard, I believe, from the trailer, if you like really look at the footage there at one point. Uh, But Green Goblin is the big one, like we're talking about, and I do think they're going to make an effort to show off that original costume, but tweak it in some way and look, make it mm-hmm. look better for the 20, 30? How old is the Spider-Man movie? I don't even know at this point. I guess the, 20 the first years. One? Yeah, 20 years of movies that have happened in between where things have really changed. I think like 22, right? Well, well, uh, that that was... Was it 2000 or 2001? Because it was edited yeah, it after was 9-11 to add like more patriotism. And he lands on a giant American flag in the end of the movie. Oh, and he goes, man. Osama bin Laden, you're next, if I recall correctly. <laughs> man, he looks directly in, into the it camera. It ties into the backstories in the current Marvel comic books that are coming out this week that are all paying tribute to 20 years of 9-11. Oh, is that a real thing they're doing? Yeah, that's a real thing. I don't love it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, it. boy. And on that bumper of a note, I think we're going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Nat Townsend. What? What a twist. And Nat. All right. Yeah. What's up, Alex? Well, all I was going to say is we don't have somebody in advance. So if you want to call out for somebody in the crown, go for it. I mean, I'm well known to, as a first-hand up guy myself, but uh, since I'm not here, if anyone in Crowdcast or, say, the tube, YouTube, would like to... Uh, I think we see Edward Doherty. Was that first? Yes, Alex, Edward. Is that a yes, I would like to be in it? Or is that just... Yes, who wants to I win twenty-five this. free dollars? Because uh, if you raising... had twenty-five dollars, you'd go to a comic shop. Unless you need to like pay rent or buy food or like just really like invest yep, in your future. But otherwise, Ooh, isn't it nice to have twenty-five dollars? You easy can't spend reader. elsewhere. Easy Reader over on YouTube said, pick me. And I think oh, Edward's skipped... answering someone's question. Edward's working. Oh, yeah, let's do Easy Reader. You've never done this before, All right? right? Easy Reader. So since this is over on YouTube, I will just mention there's going to be a little bit of a delay. So we'll vamp after each one. But Easy Reader, just drop the answer in the comments on YouTube. And we'll see if this is as easy as when Pete does it. But take it mm-hmm. away, Matt. Also, I'm not looking at YouTube. So, Alex, you're going to have to relay their answers to me to find I'll out if they're right. Lovely assistant. And, folks, let me just tell you, you're not uh, – just watch it on Crowdcast. What are you doing? <laughs> <Just>, <laughs> we we got a whole thing going on over here. We could bring you into the stream. They're both just websites. You could go to either website. Folks, today's <laughs> trivia, you're not going to believe this. It's on Topical Comic Book News. With a small nod to the legend Michael K. Williams, who oh, died tragically this week. Sad. I know, a yeah. typical... And this is a tribute to Pete's typical bummer of the week. So, <laughs> um, uh, okay, so your first question, easy reader. Uh, you're going to choose A, B, or C. Get all three questions correct. 25 free dollars is yours, thanks to our sponsor, Midtown Comics and MidtownComics.com. Uh, you can use it in either place. Actually, I found out you can just walk into the damn store and show them the email. So, uh, yeah, so answer all three questions correctly. Choose A, B, or C, and $25 free dollars will be yours. First question, question number one. Marvel Comics just announced a new digital-only X-Men series from which creative team? Is it A, 
Jonathan Hickman and Declan Shalvey? Is it B, Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez? Or is it C, Martin Starr? Those are all great teams, except for the last Mm. one, who is just one person. Uh, The last one is one person. You might be able to use process of of, uh, elimination here. So the question is, is it A, Jonathan Hickman and Declan Shelby, or is it B, Al Ewing, Javier Rodriguez? Hmm. We'll have to see. Easy reader, just drop your answer in the comments. Maybe it's A, maybe it's B. Certainly sounds like A to me, but I guess we'll find out what you happens. You know, there's just really no way to know until the answer is then that I answer mm-hmm. whether which one it is. I so. guess we're finding out how long the delay is, which is kind it's of long. It turns it's out much longer than you think. Buddy, in the time you've taken answering this question, you could just be on Crowdcast. <laughs> there's a link. Uh, I'll tell you, Boy Racer UK did drop. Oh, A. There we go. Oh, that's correct. Easy reader. The answer Amazing. is. A, Jonathan Hicklin and Declan Shalvey are doing a new digital-only X-Men series on Marvel Unlimited, usually a platform where all the comics are frustratingly six months old. Uh, you may have noticed me uh, carefully dodging that topic in our earlier X-Men discussion to not spoil this answer because I didn't want to write another trivia question on the fly. Question number two, very good, easy reader. You're one for three so far. Uh, in the new Defenders series from... Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez, previously mentioned, mm-hmm. the defenders are accidentally transported where? Is it A, the DC universe? Is it B, a previous version of the Marvel multiverse? Or is it C, Jason Burke? Hmm, this is another tough one, and not to game it out for easy rear, but it's again, okay. Yes, I, I, heard I, this feel, yet. I feel like the third answer is again a person right it is not uh well you know i said uh Mm -hmm. in the new series you know they're transported where okay no that's a good point uh it is a person and not a place so you can probably rule that out so is it a the dc universe which would Mm -hmm. be a licensing nightmare that they haven't pulled off since like the 90s i think maybe in the late 80s right almost jla versus avengers no maybe 90s jla versus yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the amalgam, uh, return to the amalgam, amalgam age of comics is the most recent crossover, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, whisper it into a corner and I won't hear it. But uh, <laughs> Or is it B, a previous version of the Marvel multiverse, which mm-hmm. sounds like the needlessly complicated bullshit that Al Ewing is into? Well, I will say, if that was the twist, it was something that I really enjoyed. And Easy Reader correct, guessed it correctly, it's B. The answer is B. And I will say I was a little rude about it, but I do enjoy uh, Al Ewing's ceaseless dedication to making every Marvel comic book fit into the same canon somehow, which is what my brain is also trying to do. Easy Mm -hmm. Reader, you are currently two out of three questions answered correctly. You just need one more and 25 free dollars at MidtownComics.com or Midtown Comics stores all across New York will be yours. Question number three. In the recent Suicide Squad annual number one, Uh, the story reintroduces which classic DC villain? Is it A, Sam Scudder, the original Mirror Master? The original Mirror Master. Is it B, Daniel Dunbar, the Dynamite? Or is it C, William Hurt? Hmm. So uh, it's either A, Sam Scudder, the original Mirror Master, or B, Daniel Dunbar, the Dynamite. Or theoretically C, William Hurt. If you think that he's... Uh, well, I, th- I think the question there is, people. was he... You said reintroduced. So was Reintroduces. William Hurt, was William Hurt DC. 
Right. Was William Hurt previously in the DC universe is what you have to game out with that third right, answer. Right, right. Exactly. I haven't so was read he... this one. My mm-hmm. answer, my guess would be A, to be honest with you. I don't know if Oh, Easy Sam Scudder, the original Mirror Master. Yes. All, all the scud heads out there know what I'm talking about. Versus the second one, who I don't know whether that is, but uh, I don't all know right. if Easy Reader's going to go that way. Oh, Daniel Dunbar, the Dynamite? You don't know him? You don't know the classic Golden Age DC uh, sidekick, Dan Dan the Dynamite? He was Oh, he was obviously the sidekick to TNT. You remember TNT? The classic oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have that T-shirt. I forgot about that. Perhaps you remember James Robinson's Else, uh, Elseworlds book, The Golden Age, in which uh, Dan the Dynamite has his brain replaced by Hitler's brain and becomes See, Dynamite. I'm starting to think maybe it's the second one. Maybe it's Dan the Dynamite, just based on the amount of information you know about that. You'd think that, but... Also, you might have to game out that I'm the kind of person who would know that anyway. Hmm. I'm going to, you know what? Easy Reader is taking a while to answer here. I'm going to go with A. Alex is going to go with A. This is what's known as a proxy vote. It's covered in Mayor Goodboy. Uh, it's a part of the democratic electoral process. Uh, and you know what? It's completely legal because the answer is, in fact, A, Sam Scudder, the original Mirror Master, which were Pete here, he would also tell you that that is a, uh, a popular, well, a known Arrowverse uh, sure. villain as well. So some some of the fans may know him from the CW shows. Guess what? Easy reader. You have answered all three questions correctly. And uh, you are now to be, to drop your email somewhere. I'm going to yes. say. I'll email take this part. Yeah, okay, email comicbookclublive at gmail.com. And we will get you a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Thank you so much for playing. Now, before we wrap, uh, oh, the secret movie. The quiz. There was a secret quiz. There I'm the was. First I forget this, this every time. It's not just a beat thing. Up I with it. That's it with why. Too. Yeah, no, no one's ever done this before, but I actually hid a secret quiz wow. in the C answers. If you didn't notice okay. this, I named three actors, Martin Starr, Jason Burke, and William Hurt, uh, who all were in a movie with Michael K. Williams. Kevin is correct. That movie is Marvel's The Incredible Hulk. Wow, uh, that's right. If you right. don't remember... Michael K. Williams plays a man in Harlem who sees the Hulk throw a car at a thing. Not his biggest role. So we actually talked about this. We have Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, and we were doing a phase one rewatch. And we talked about the Michael K. Williams role in there, which in the movie, it's Michael K. Williams, already known for The Wire. Like, incredible actor. Everybody loves him. Louis Leterrier, the director of the movie, was like, we got to get Michael K. Williams. We got to get a role... I think it was Louis Leterrier. Not, no, I'm sorry. Edward Norton loved him from The Wire. It was like, I'm going to write him a role in it The really Incredible Hulk. really showcases his abilities. This is no joke. Edward Norton was like, I love him from The Wire, and I'm going to showcase him in this movie. And the role is he's running away from the abomination in Harlem. I don't even think he says a line. Maybe he's mm-hmm. like, whoa. And no, he it. looks back and then like looks almost not at the camera, but like forwards in the direction of the camera, and that's the whole. It's the whole shot's maybe twelve seconds long. Yeah, he was a, already a acclaimed dramatic actor, and they gave him essentially like the Donnell Rawlings line from or moment from Spider Man, where it's like, "Damn, look at that Spider Man go!" or whatever. Uh, so just the, like. Yeah, If you like Michael K. Williams, there's a lot of great stuff to watch him in. Obviously, check out The Wire. He's amazing in Lovecraft Country, which is a mixed show, but he's mm-hmm. fantastic in it. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, of course, and lots and lots of other things. He was good in everything. He's an incredibly committed dramatic actor who 
cared so much about his craft. It's really sad. Uh, I wanted to pick something that people wouldn't automatically know. I forgot that you mentioned it on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not, no, not best known for his comic book work. Just if you want to catch up, watch every episode of The Wire. There you go. Before we wrap up here, new comic books coming out all the time. DC out today, Marvel out tomorrow. Also other stuff out tomorrow. What are you looking forward to? What have you been picking up? Oh, I've been picking up, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, I'm just like looking forward to, I'm totally ready for this question that I definitely didn't forget. I'll to tell you what, I'll talk about week. a couple of things. Uh, the big one that I'm really looking forward to is Maze Book, number one from Dark Horse Comics. This is a new book by Jeff Lemire that's coming out. He's writing it. He's drawing it. That is always an event. So I'm very, very excited to see what happens with that one. Are there, I think there's a couple of X-Men books coming out. That you're oh, yeah, I'm probably about. really excited about one of those. <laughs> well, do you, Defenders number two you could talk about. Oh, is that this? I was, yeah, say, I was just double checking it. Yeah, uh, I'm really, I, I hope I didn't blow too much of the reveal of the first Defenders book, but uh, Al Ewing is doing something really interesting here. And he has, as I said, an almost obsessive need to make every Marvel comic book make sense. He's integrated the concept of the floating timeline into canon, the idea that events that clearly at one point took place in the 60s now for some reason took place 20 years ago in 2000. He has ex chosen to explain that in books. That happened back in uh, The Ultimates. He's done all sorts of insane uh, choices uh, for Cosmic Marvel. I'm loving what he's doing in S.W.O.R.D. right now. And so it's really interesting to see him given sort of free reign to do a beyond multiversal, omniversal story. But the other, if that's if that sounds too baffling to you, you don't even have to read the words. Javier Rodriguez, I would say, so worth good. it for the art alone. If you haven't read, if you haven't read uh, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme, uh, I highly recommend picking that up. And I feel like uh, Rodriguez is picking up where he left off on that book, where he has sort of, I would say, uh, a descendant of half Ditko, half Kirby, like psychedelic art, you know, part MC Escher where he's, it's not just strange stars and cosmic rays. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's Escher style surrealism. It's it, all sorts of fascinating depictions of magic and of, of, you know, uh, cosmic multi realities. And it's just, it's, they give him so many full page spreads, even in the first issue. And he's just uh, nailing it uh, page after page. So highly recommend it. Yeah, so, so good. Now, I'll mention we're going to be reviewing a lot of titles in our Stack podcast that comes out Wednesdays at 9 a.m. in the Comic Book Club feed or its own dedicated Stack feed. And, folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple you. of people you want to thank before we wrap up here. We want to thank Dave Scheidt and Miranda Harmon for coming out and talking about Mayor Good Boy. Check that out right now from Penguin Random House. Also, Nat! I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks so much. Oh, stop it. Stop no, really. It. Really cool appreciate it. Oh, very cool Daredevil shirt. Very awesome. A couple of other things to plug. Actually, Nat, is there anything you want to plug that people should check out? Yeah, if you're in New York City, come to the setup at Caveat every Thursday at 7 o'clock. It's the stand-up comedy show that I host. If you're not in New York, you're screwed. You can make it here. You can make it anywhere. Move to New York, baby. Next week on the show, Scott Zakarian, the creator of Superhero Diaries, a new web series, is going to be here, as well as Don Jeans and Mina Tarr. They play Batman and Wonder Woman on that web series, so that should be a lot of fun to talk to them. Also, a ton of podcasts to plug. I mentioned Marvel Vision earlier, our Marvel podcast, going through What If right now every week on Wednesdays. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast every Wednesday after that show. Star Guys, our Stargirl podcast, Tuesday nights, one episode posting very soon. 
as the live show flies. Also, I'll give a little plug. We'll see if it comes together, fingers crossed. But I believe we're going to be doing a Why the Last Man podcast as well, which should be coming out. So that should be very interesting to talk about as that's coming around soon. We'll see if we can actually get it together. Again, fingers crossed. Uh, if you... Why the Cast Man? Just yes. throwing that out there. That's the name of the show. Nailed it. You nailed it, Matt. Or you, you just named it. it now. No, really. That, that's the name. I was going to save it for next week, but Why the Cast oh, Man? I ruined it. Why the Cast Man? And I already ran Why through the... all of Kibby's song here, but patreon.com slash comic book club, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. On iTunes in particular, leave us a comment there and leave us a question in the comments. If you leave us a question in the comments, we'll answer it live on the show the week after that. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night. Sorry, Brett. I'll make the cocktail next time.